Hi everyone. In the last episode of this series, we spoke to Francesca Spector. Francesca is host of the Alonement podcast and author of the book Alonement. We spoke about what alonement means and why it's important to develop the skills to be by yourself. As ever, if you enjoy the episode, please give us a rating and a review wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, Francesca. So our first question is always what your personal relationship with mental health looks like. I'll start by saying I haven't had a diagnosed mental health disorder before. I um, experience gloom in the same way that sort of everyone does on occasion. But um, I think that at this point in my life, I have been lucky not to experience anything diagnosed um, and I also haven't had therapy although I do think that everyone should have therapy at some point in their life I think it's if you are able to at some point it's something that's very important for people to know that they are able to have without stigma Um, and in a professional way so I run a platform called Alonement which is a blog and a podcast and very excitingly, an upcoming book about the positive side of spending time alone. So through that platform, I connect with a lot of different people about their experiences of spending time alone. And my aim is to encourage people to be able to view that time as a positive experience, or at least something that has the potential for a positive experience because I think that not being able to be happy spending time alone can be the root of poor mental health and indeed mental health disorders. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think one of the big things in when when you are really suffering with your mental health is it is very hard to spend, especially with something like depression, but also with um with a lot of other mental health issues is when you are sp- spending time alone and um and you have that time it can lead to a lot of rumination which kind of well in my experience just just leads to to that negative downward spiral which can like be sparked incredibly quickly so if you can't if you don't have the tools to know how to cut that off or or how to spend time alone it can it can really be difficult so what what was why was this why was this an important thing for you to do so it began with a personal story so i 2 years ago i broke up with my uh, boyfriend and it was that sort of time in your late 20s where you can go one of two ways and you know it was it was either getting engaged or it was um or it was splitting up and and that's what we did. But when I ultimately had to make that decision, I realized that it had been put off for a really, really long time for probably about the last eight months of our two and a half year relationship because I was scared to be alone. And equally, I think he was also scared to be alone. I think that both of us had realized that the relationship had taken its course, but we were too 
afraid to admit that to ourselves because we didn't have the capacity to be apart. And of course, alone isn't the same as single, but when you are in a cohabiting, very close relationship romantically, and then you split up, that there is a lot more alone time associated with that. So it caused me to think, obviously we did split up and, and we both found the strength to be able to move on from that. But it occurred to me that actually, if this had perpetuated a failing relationship for eight months, what other life decisions might be motivated from a fear of spending time alone? And it occurred to me that it shouldn't be something that drove people's lifestyles. It was, you know, you shouldn't be acting in any scenario, whether that's leaving a job, leaving a partner, moving somewhere, then, you know, it shouldn't be motivated by fear. It should be motivated by excitement and curiosity. So that was something that I began to work with. And, and of course, I was I was spending a lot more time alone. And I, um, I, I still am an extrovert, but I, I call myself an extreme extrovert back then because I got all my energy from being around other people. And I realized that in the process of, you know, that, that breakup and, and learning to deal with that, I couldn't be alone at all. You know, I was going and staying on friends' sofas or I was going and going out every night just to avoid being by myself. Um, and through having to learn to overcome that, through throwing myself in the deep end, I realized that I could get better at it and I didn't have to be motivated by fear in every life decision I made and the more that that became something that was an asset for me learning those skills the more I wanted to influence other people and to be able to show them that they also were able to come to terms with being alone even if that was something that they really feared like I had because I thought if I could do it anyone could um and so that you know it it started with something personal but it really snowballed into something that I now firmly believe everyone should have in their lives was it was it just through kind of exposure that that led you to to kind of start the journey to become to becoming okay with being by yourself uh yes so I mean classic exposure therapy um stuff like going to a cafe alone on a Saturday morning um to eat breakfast by myself that was something that I never in a million years thought I could have done and I just really my rule was that if I would like to do something with someone else I needed to learn to do it by myself just so I had the option was that through kind of fear of I don't know maybe social judgment that you're on your own or just because it was uncomfortable to to be in your own mind I think so there were multiple things going on there. And I think that I talk about this uh, in my upcoming book, actually, that there are, there is the sort of public fear of being alone. Um, and I think that's almost, we project our sort of own fears of, as you say, being with, you know, your own thoughts onto that scenario a bit. But, you know, there is, there is very much that sort of stigma state. You know, I used to think, oh, what if my ex-boyfriend or a friend of mine or, or anyone spotted me out alone? Um, and that, you know, that does come from a fear of looking like you have no friends in public. Um, and, the, you know, there's studies into this, again, that I discussed in my book. And um, 
So there's that. And then there's the fear that you don't think that you're going to enjoy spending that time by yourself. So I, I think that because we're so unused to doing something, you kind of can't almost envision yourself in that scenario alone. Um, and then, yes, of course, there is the fear of your own thoughts, which sort of applies to a fear of being alone anywhere, whether that's in a cafe or in a in you know the privacy of your own home. But I think that it comes into play when you're in a public space because you kind of those own thoughts at that time might be things like ruminations like, oh, I look like an idiot here by myself. So um, that, you know, that definitely does come into play. Although I will say that perhaps you're a bit more distracted in a public place because there's things like people watching or, you know, if, you, if you're at the cinema, you, you're there with a film. So the fear of your own thoughts isn't as relevant in that particular scenario, maybe. What were the kind of really positive things that, that you learned maybe about yourself or, or new hobbies that you found or what what was what kind of it might have been nothing but what kind of activities did you did you fill that time that you spent by yourself with okay um so yes I'll start by um answering so hobbies and activities and things that I ended up doing by myself um I initially was just trying to replicate things that I'd done with other people. So it would be things like going to a cafe, going to a restaurant, going to the cinema, um, and, you know, going, uh, I already did this, but, you know, going to exercise classes or, you know, going to an exhibition or going to, if, if for instance, I remember I saw tickets for Hannah Gadsby, one of my favorite comedians. Wow. And, I, you know, I didn't even think twice about booking a ticket. And before that I would have thought, oh, who can I convince to go to me, go with me? But now it wasn't an issue. Um, so, I, you know, I would, again, I, I just had that blanket rule. If I would do it with someone else, I need to learn to do it alone as well. Um, and then through that, so at, I mean, at the moment, um, I'm doing something called 28 days of alonement to run alongside the um, current second lockdown, which we're now, in here in England and I have been trying to do a novel thing every single day which has been really interesting because it's really encouraged me to branch out um, and to try new things so for instance yesterday I did some painting with I got some acrylic paints out um, and I did a, a painting class to paint a female nude in various bright colors on a canvas and I'm not artistic in the slightest I'm, I'm creative of course but you know I, I don't have any you know I have much aptitude for painting or anything or at least I've never tried but it was just it's been really amazing trying new things by myself um, and I've also been attending online lectures uh, Gresham College does some really amazing online lectures where they stream previous academic lectures and just about any subject you can imagine. Um, I went to an English literature one because that was my initial degree. Um, but yeah, so lots of different challenges. And again, it's that thing about, you know, not having the absence of another person because of course we're currently in, in lockdown and I live alone. So I, there really isn't another option. Um, not letting that be a barrier to trying new things as well as doing things that you like to do anyway for a lot of people when they are kind of at the at the nadir of their their issues with their mental health they stop doing stuff that they previously enjoyed and maybe that's because 
they think they can't do that alone or because they think it wouldn't be as enjoyable alone so you, so you almost kind of deprive yourself of those things that actually you know might help so for me I would you know I've got a, a good group of friends and I'm, I'm a sociable person but I would have never thought about going one of my hobbies is playing golf I'd have never thought about going to play golf on my own partly because of the fear that someone might see me you know playing alone but throughout the first kind of first bit of lockdown when things started to open up a bit it was something that I went and did by myself and I kind of lost that fear of doing it by myself and actually I found it one of the most kind of relaxing almost kind of mindful things to do just to be kind of I suppose it's a bit like going for a walk but being outside by myself um yeah and I just found that it, it wasn't something that I'd ever thought about doing before because because of the fear um so I no, suppose although that's very very interesting with um with golf um I mean I I think I, I suppose it's different at the driving range but I I don't know much about golf but I do imagine there are, it does lend itself to that solitary activity um but it's it, it's so interesting that that's not something that you've previously done alone um before lockdown and also I think you mentioned mindfulness I I think it's really interesting actually from a mindfulness perspective because at the heart of it you know mindfulness is doing one thing at once and if you're doing anything with anyone else whether that's playing golf or you know eating at a restaurant your attention is going to be distributed between the activity and the person you're with whereas I think that you can be so much more mindful doing any activities with alonement in mind. I suppose there's a reason why uh, kind of monks go off to live in caves by themselves to to find their kind of nirvana and stuff um so what would what would your advice you know I think at, at the time we're speaking we're kind of halfway through the, the the second lockdown in Britain and what what or in England um what would be your advice for somebody somebody like yourself who's who's living alone but hasn't develop the kind of skill sets you have to to become okay with being alone um, it is interesting I mean you say skill sets you know that that is absolutely how I see it so uh, we talk about social skills a lot that they're, they're such a vital thing when you talk about kind of primary school education as well they, they talk about the development of children's social skills we don't talk about solitude skills enough but that's very important so I would advise anyone who is in the position that I am which is not an easy position to be in even if you are the founder of a platform around spending time alone I, I will stress that because you know alonement is something that's supposed to be done in moderation and you and you appreciate it ever the more because of your interactions with others so you know I think to start off it is a difficult scenario um whether it's new to you or not so it's important to be kind to yourself and acknowledge that um beyond that I think it is you know, any adversity is also an opportunity and it's a time to work on developing those solitude skills so one of them that I think is specifically quite interesting in this scenario is planning ahead so we always think about plans making plans that we we think about that being with someone else um and it doesn't have to be so you know you can plan to watch a movie by yourself this friday night you can plan that you're going to perhaps cook something nice or 
order something in from Deliveroo um, and watch a film and, you know, dress up in your most comfortable pajamas or, you know, even dress up in something that makes you feel good about yourself, even if it's just you know even if it's if you're the only person around your house it's it's it just it's for you and that's important and you can have that plan in your head for it you know it's currently it's currently Wednesday you know you can have that plan in your head for two days and get excited about it and because it's important to look forward to things and we think oh because you know it's because if you're only by yourself um and we we often use that language only me just me then you can't have something to look forward to but you really can um and it creates a structure around your week and it it, it fulfills such an important purpose exactly the same purpose as it would having a you know jam-packed schedule outside of lockdown with other people so i think that's a really important solitude skill um i also think that indulging in positive selfishness so again you know as i say we we talk about only me uh, we sort of deprive ourselves in this strange way um like we are one of the you know a monk in the mountains we sort of we see you know we say we oh, oh because it's because it's only me i don't deserve to um i don't know cook cook a whole meal for you know cook a cook a proper meal for rather than a ready meal from scratch um or you know i, I don't deserve to I don't know, even really silly things like, you know, I don't deserve to have a tidy flat because it's only me and there's no one else coming around. I think you've got to indulge in that positive selfishness and think, okay, I'm doing something for me and I'm really thinking about my needs here and I'm being, you know, very specific about the temperature I have the the room at or, you know, something silly like that. But you need to indulge that and because it sends a sign to yourself that you are important and you know it's it creates that feedback that time with yourself by yourself is important as well um so you know those are just two solitude skills i would suggest to learn to practice in this time uh, and then to cultivate them and you know they will be perhaps difficult to develop at a time when we are in this imbalanced state of not having much time with other people but they will be very helpful now and they'll be ever more helpful in the future going forward. And you'll think, well, isn't it great that I've developed myself in that way during lockdown? At the complete opposite end of the spectrum, why is it important to develop these, like you said, skills when you do live with a flatmate or a partner or or your family? Ah, yes. So another aspect of solitude skills is learning to negotiate your solitude, um, or as I like to call it, your alonement, because that refers specifically to the positive side of solitude, learning to negotiate that with other people. And, you know, there are multiple reasons for this. A, some people find that really hard. Some people find it very, very difficult to articulate to someone they want to spend a bit of time alone. Um, And then they don't do it as a result to avoid that awkward conversation. Um, And also because, you know, some people uh, quite naturally, um, perhaps if they, you know, if they've always had natural introvert tendencies, they will crave time alone and they will have always advocated for it, but maybe won't be that good at actually expressing that to other people. Um, And so might always actually be, you know, perhaps come across as quite hurtful to a partner or family members and not really realize they're doing it. So I think, you know, whatever side of the coin you are, whether you're, you know, people pleasing so much, you never spend time alone or you spend lots of time alone, but don't really advocate 
for it properly. I think you need to learn that solitude skill of expressing to other people what alonement is to you and why you need it. Um, and, you know, doing that in a positive way so that, you know, A, you can work out a schedule where you spend good amounts of time together and apart. Um, and, you know, also it it's contagious at times. You know, if you if you explain to someone exactly why you're spending time alone, um, then they might realize that that's something really positive that they require and can benefit from too. For instance, I never used to understand that my, uh, my mother and my brother um, were introverts when I was growing up. Um, and we hadn't had this conversation. And of course, I don't think they understood why I could never be alone. So there was this gap between us. We never really saw the need to explain, you know, that this mode of being to each other. And actually, I, through learning more about their introvert tendencies and what they get from their time alone, I've learned from them. And, and actually, it's, you know, it's been a big inspiration behind alonement. So, you know, through having that sort of solitude skill of being able to talk about solitude at the base of it. Um, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's been a really positive, a really, you know, positively contagious thing. Has it improved your relationship with, with people that you're close to, like your family? Oh God, so much, so much. Um, you know, I, I think that I will almost, it sounds strange, but almost give the gift of solitude sometimes. For instance, if I'm, you know, if I, if I, if I rung my mother up um, and I just, want to talk about something that's happened in the day but you know I can tell that for instance um she's been very busy during the day had a really long day working or you know helping someone else then I realized that actually what she needs is time to sort of decompress and and being able to appreciate that need in another person is really important um I think also it's it's interesting romantically obviously um outside of a pandemic but you know I for a large period of last year I was dating someone who was very very introverted um and again you know I, I sort of really appreciated that quality in him um but I would never before the last couple of years I would never have been able to date someone introverted because I would have always assumed that that would have been an affront towards me that the reason that they didn't want to spend every minute of every day together was because they didn't like me enough and that was not the case it was it was something that became a value in our relationship. So that was a very nice thing to realize. Yeah, that's really interesting. So to kind of wrap things up, we always ask how you personally look after your own mental health, even if that's someone like you who's never had um, a, a formal diagnosis or never experienced uh, something on the on the harder end of the spectrum, to someone to anyone who's just you know when when you're feeling a bit blue mm. yes I mean it is interesting when we talk about um mental health because yeah as you know as we say we do we do specify the sort of four more diagnosed um end of if you call it a spectrum or however you know you however you see that but I do I do think I do have the capacity to have poor mental health and I, th I, I on a daily basis I do things that I think I would be lost without, which includes every every morning I do. Um, it's a term 
devised by Julia Cameron. I'm not sure if you've come across it before, which are uh, morning pages. So I, it, I effectively write a journal every morning. I write three pages of um, sort of stream of consciousness, um, whatever's on my mind. And that really helps me to get set up and not to sort of fall into rumination habits because it's almost like if I have a negative thought, I've written it out longhand. So I don't dwell on it during the day. And that helps to remove those mental blocks that can sort of drag me down and get me into a state of sort of, you know, poor, poor mental health. Um, I also think of exercise and being outdoors, especially right now, but you know, generally it's, it's absolutely, that is the single biggest contributor to positive mental health for me. Um, and then, you know, I never used to realize that um, I was never, you know, growing up as a, as a child, as a teenager, as an early adult, I was never particularly active, but that, that is something that's so important for stress levels and for endorphins. And, you know, I especially found this when I, uh, I had COVID at the very start of, um, of the pandemic and I, I, you know, back in sort of, um, late March and I doing HIIT workouts in my flat every day was the thing that stop me from getting into a pretty negative state from, you know, living alone and not being able to leave. So, uh, you know, so yeah, journaling and exercise are the real things that are important to me. And, you know, I think I also want to say, um, and this is the thing that distinguishes alonement from the way that a lot of people see, you know, sort of solitude and, and being a pioneer of solitude. I think that connecting with others is really very, very important. You know, you need to, another solitude skill, in fact, is moderating your alone time and balancing that with time with other people. Um, and so, you know, I think that I make sure that I at least have a phone conversation with someone every day, um, even if I don't physically see another person for a walk or whatever. Um, and that, again, that's, that's a really energizing thing, especially as an extrovert. I do Although I think everyone needs, you know, a dose of so social stimulation. I think that really helps me, um, A, appreciate my alone time in contrast, but, you know, B, it does give me that energy um, and that connection and that uh, reminder that, you know, whatever you, you're dwelling on in that day, you know, you're not the only person in the world. And I think it's very important to remember that. That's quite interesting, actually, because outwardly it would seem that that, that phone call is something you're doing because you need to chat to someone or because you're a social being but you probably have or you might do but you probably have no idea what the power of that is to somebody else if they were struggling and you know even if they were just feeling a bit down one day if they you know getting a a, a seemingly random phone call from someone just to chat is actually you know something that can really brighten someone else's day so it's mm -hmm. kind of it's a very two-way two-way benefit there. well yes i mean i don't you know i don't sort of just um chore my phone uh my phone book and end endlessly and just pick a random person although that that might be a good exercise i must say but um no but generally there there's maybe a core of sort of maybe six or seven people that i'll talk to on the phone at some point you know and that includes family members and close friends and i don't i think sometimes we think about you know oh uh phone a friend as a sort of mental health tool um and which is which is very important but i think sometimes the conversation is around almost like putting not putting a 
burden on someone but but you know yeah as you say sort of using that person to help you and actually I don't see it that way I see it as an energy exchange I think that you know if the, the, that circle of people in my life I, I am that person to them too and I you know I am obviously there are there are times when you need you know someone might call you and say look I just need to vent or you know oh, I've had a really really horrible day but often it I think these exchanges are mutually energizing for both of us and you know you sort of have your how do you put it you sort of you you have those people that um are you know they, they sort of bolster you and they are you know you're you, you know that your happiness um is you know is in part down to your relationship with them and and, and it's it, it works both ways is what i'm trying to say it's not um yes i think that you know two people can come out of this conversation and think okay my day is made that little bit better as a result no one has to sort of the conversation isn't for anyone's sake sort of thing specifically it is it's for you both and it's something that is a sort of yeah it's 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 a sort of mutual boost yeah uh, and how can we find out more about the podcast when does the book come out where can we find out more about all of your other writing so um so my blog is alonement.com and on there is a link to the upcoming book to the podcast um the podcast alonement is on apple podcasts and spotify so there's two series so far um the third series will be upcoming in um sort of january next year um so you can search for that on yes apple podcast spotify and any good podcast provider and yes the book the very exciting thing is being published by quirkus next year so that's 4th of march next year um and that's available currently on amazon and waterstones to pre-order brilliant that's been really interesting thank you brilliant well lovely to speak to you harry thank you Hi everyone, I hope you enjoyed that episode. Just a quick note to say that although things I discussed with the guests we may find helpful, I'm not a trained medical professional. If you're struggling with your mental health, please contact your GP or speak to an organisation like Samaritans on 116 123.